I got to ask you, uh, Naomi, is about this whole thing about now social credit scores, about the tyranny. You warned us about it two years ago, right? And now you see what the truckers are doing. Give us your perspective on this. So what we've got now wonderfully is a multi-front offensive against the people who tried to run a multi-front offensive against the human species. Um, So I see the truckers as um, powerfully demonstrating that it takes mass non-compliance to uh, stop tyranny and as Edward Dowd said to me in a kind of mind-blowing interview um, I, I did with him a couple of nights ago, and you guys should get credit for breaking that story, as well as him getting credit. He said, uh, this is a, they, they didn't, the people gaming this out didn't anticipate the truckers. They didn't anticipate people like him. They didn't anticipate people like you and your followers, people like me, and the fact that we would organize. So to me, the truckers are demonstrating that there is an army. And I say this super peacefully. And to their credit, they've been incredibly disciplined, incredibly peaceful. Um, But that there is an army, that there are more of us than of them, and that there are repercussions. Now, I want to flip this over to, you know, why it's a multi-pronged front. Um, Not to claim credit, but James Ostrowski and you guys also rolled out simultaneously what's turning out to be a very powerful weapon, which is this template that lets citizens bring uh, civil charges against individual governors, individual school board uh, supervisors, individual uh, board of health members. This has been taken off like wild, taking off like wildfire. Um, Children's Health Defense uh, is sharing the template. Um, Leslie Mnookin's Health Freedom Defense Fund is sharing the template. It's gone viral on Facebook. And so what you're getting now are, you know, this sudden dropping of of the, the criminal activities against us, people backing away. Um, and, and I think it's because they know that there's massive corruption that's going to be revealed if any of them are forced to open the books in in civil court. Um, And the last thing I want to say, which is related, which is that the blaze uh, this morning um, showed the results of a Freedom of Information Act demand of the Biden administration that showed that a billion dollars, and I'm going to say it again, a billion dollars of your tax money went from the Biden administration to bribe all the major news outlets that you read telling you to get vaccinated, Washington Post, CBS, and so on and so on. So it's it's falling apart. Let's go back to Naomi Wolf. And Naomi, before I get to the to the new Blaze reveal, I got to ask you about the Ed Dowd. Your, your your interview was absolutely amazing. Can you distill it down to a couple of the key items and why people should go watch this? I want to put it up in on our Getter and uh, and uh, all of our sites for everybody to see. Walk us through the high points because Ed is a a very smart Wall Street guy. Uh, Thank you so much. So first credit to you and your team for breaking that story and to Mr. Dowd for stepping forward as an amazing uh, whistleblower slash hero with deep, deep knowledge of of the space. Um, Basically, he elaborates on the work that you all already did on this show in the sense of he explains how the Pfizer fraud isn't just a pharmaceutical fraud, but also we go into detail about how the whole lockdown and privileging some uh, businesses over others, saying some are essential businesses, others aren't, um, kind of intervened in capitalism as a whole and allowed a situation in which people got to bet uh, legally, but totally unethically, in what would have been insider trading in in the stock market. Um, So it's What's so powerful, you know, I love that phrase, you can only fight monsters with monsters. And what's so powerful about Ed Dowd coming forward, Edward Dowd coming forward, uh, is that he's um, speaking in a way that explains to Wall Street investors who are not the six oligarchs and big tech guys in the inner circle, right, but still have plenty of power, plenty of influence. And when they're angry, you need to really watch out, even if you're, you know, Joe Biden or, you know, Borla. These Wall Street investors now realize, you know, as Ed Dowd pointed out, a lot of them uh, took the injection. They thought they were doing the right thing. And now they see that they were they were defrauded. Right. Their bodies were put on the line through the fraud that Dr. Malone just described. Um, And also he's showing these other investors that this this was kind of a shell game 
uh, that privileged um, some sectors over another and, and kind of disrupted the premise of Western markets that it is transparent, it is disclosed, you can't, um, you know, you can't cheat. So it's, it's kind of meta. And the last thing that he does, which is powerful, is that he says, you know, we talked about murder and I want to talk about murder. You know, to me, this is, as I've said, a mass murder event, but not to me. I've been researching what is the crime of murder and, and it's different state by state. But, you know, conspiracy to commit murder is pretty loosely defined in California Penal Code 182, for instance. And literally, now that we've seen the, the Pfizer documents, those nine pages of harms, all the adverse effects, um, the fact that people like Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, all the influencers who were paid as piano said safe and effective, this is this needs criminal charges. This could be conspiracy for murder. And he said that the media could be accessories to murder. I agree with Okay. That. Hey everyone, welcome. It's Naomi Wolf of Daily Clout, and I'm incredibly honored and excited, actually sort of thrilled, it's quite historic, to have uh, here with us today, Edward Dowd. Welcome, Mr. Dowd. Thank you for having me, Naomi. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, so Edward Dowd is, you know, hugely in the news right now. He's kind of at the intersection of uh, finance, um, the fraud scandal and and massive current events. He's the you know extraordinarily kind of courageous and well informed whistleblower who has come forward to explain to audiences uh, very actively in the last couple of weeks why, in his view, um, Pfizer uh, has committed a fraud. And he's also explained, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth, uh, he's really good at explaining this himself, but he's going to, he's been explaining to millions of people how this is sort of the third great um, financial scandal, the third great fraud that he has witnessed. So I know you've done this a million times in the last few days, but please just briefly recapitulate your initial thesis, and then we can dive into the details. Sure, no problem. Um... You know, I've, I was very uh, leery of taking the vaccine initially only because I knew two things. I didn't know what I know now, but I knew two things. Yeah, Operation Warp Anything seems um, like a disaster to me just from a understanding of how things work. Things get rushed, cut, corners cut. Um, and then also I know from my experience on Wall Street that vaccines take usually seven to 10 years of safety data before they're launched on the populace. So with those two facts, I said to myself and a couple of others on Wall Street also agreed, we'll wait. Well, we won't take it. We'll see what happens. And um, fairly early on, uh, April, May, June of uh, 2021, we started hearing anecdotes. Um, and what you need to understand about anecdotes is they're anecdotes, but statistically, any vaccine is going to cause some adverse reactions and or deaths, but they're so rare statistically, you should never hear that happening in your circles. So right away from a math perspective, I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, then it came out uh, in the fall that, uh, and I learned this from a friend in the biotech industry that Pfizer had failed its all cause mortality endpoint in the initial trial. They kind of really didn't go forward with that in the press release, imagine that. They, they uh, emphasized other data points, endpoints, so to speak, the fact that it was 90, quote unquote, 95% effective. Um, All-cause mortality is the gold standard in any drug trial at the FDA. When you fail that endpoint, um, the drug's not approved. So what, what, did we, what did we find out? Well, the Pfizer uh, vaccine killed more people, or didn't kill, but more, more deaths occurred in the vaccine arm than in the placebo arm. And that didn't come out until a FOIA request and a data dump in late November and the press didn't pick up on it. And that's when I really started to say that fraud was committed. Um, I got more loud about fraud when the FDA uh, decided to hide the clinical data for 75 years. So, um, you know, when I'm, I'm an investor, so let me just say how I think about the world. I don't wait for people to tell me what just happened. I, my job was to come up with an analyst mosaic and investment thesis, and then 
over time, I'd be proven right. So I don't wait for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or the Washington Post to tell me anything, because by the time that happens, um, the opportunity to make money is lost. So I started screaming fraud as soon as I saw that, because it's unprecedented to hide data from the public. So I said, that's a cover-up, that's fraud. Um, and then I made the analogy to the great financial crisis. The fraud in the great financial crisis, the real estate fraud, was perpetrated not by just the banks. They needed a third-party trusted institution to do that, and that was the rating agencies. Right. So the people who ultimately bought these bonds in the great financial crisis trusted the rating agencies. So that's why they didn't look too hard or long at the bonds being sold to them by Wall Street. So I made the analogy, and it looks like it's proving out to be true, that the FDA is the third-party trusted institution, and Pfizer needed them to commit this fraud. I went on Steve Bannon's show, and I said I wanted to be a lightning rod. And a lot of people took that to mean um, that I was going to you know, get attacked by you know, the drug companies. And no, what I meant was I wanted people to reach out to me. And Brooke Jackson, um, a whistleblower in the clinical trial data that came out in November, she, she came forward in November with the British Medical Journal. She came forward and she um, gave them all the receipts, all the documentation. They published an article that made a little bit of noise, but then it was quickly censored by uh, the tech overlords and the mainstream media didn't even talk, to, talk about it or even reach out to her. So uh, she called me, reached out to me because she, I was the first person she heard to say fraud. And so I talked to her for three hours and there's so much fraud that it actually overwhelms you. This is the problem. So a lot of people, um, and this is what I do. I sort data, then I figure out what's the most relevant part. And what I figured out, and she would agree, is that her clinical trial, her 1,000 patients um, were unblinded. And when you unblind, when you unblind, it should be tossed out. The data should be tossed out. And Pfizer's own protocols state that as well. So she brought this to the attention of um, her uh, other colleagues. That's when the tone with her changed. Uh, there was a cover-up call to just hide this. She decided to whistleblow. She went to the FDA, reported it anonymously in the morning at 9 a.m. She was fired six hours later. Then a several days later, a Pfizer uh, attorney who uh, we've identified as Mark Barnes um, who has apparently is a um, swamp creature that goes way back to all sorts of things, um, contacted her. She never talked to him. And so she uh, then went to go uh, file a suit with the FDA, a whistleblower suit, and the FDA kept kicking the can down the road. That's why we didn't hear from her until she decided to whistleblow in November. Her attorney fired her under, because you're not supposed to talk about um, cases like this, you're, you're locked down from speaking, but she felt it was so important, she decided to go against her, attorney, her attorney's advice and she, she came public. So this is where we are. So the, the data is fraud. The whole thing is fraud. And let me just give you some simple math on this. The, the, the naysayers will say, oh, it's only a thousand patients of the 44,000 that were in the original clinical trial. In the vaccine, there was only a 28-day trial, and they came up with a 95% efficacy number that we all heard about, and that's how they sold it to us. Mm -hmm. um, they came up with that number with these, these, these patient results. Eight in the vaccine group over only a 28-day study, which is ridiculous on its face, 28 days. Eight patients in the vaccine group got COVID. 164 in the placebo group got COVID. So that's how they calculated 95% efficacy. Right. So let's just take her thousand patients. When you unblind, the doctors knew the, the, the patient's status on the chart. So they'd look on the chart and on the chart would say vaccinated or unvaccinated. That's not supposed to happen. No. So um, what, what basically could have happened and likely happened was the doctor, someone would come in saying they're not feeling well and the doctor wouldn't test them for COVID because they saw they were vaccinated and said, well, they're vaccinated, they probably don't have COVID. So mathematically, all you need are 75 uh, of the 164 placebo, move it over to the vaccinated column, that's 50% efficacy. You move over all 164 over, that's 0% efficacy. So we don't need mathematically the other sites to come forward. But 
I will say this, where there's smoke, there's fire. So it calls into question the whole trial. Yeah. Um, so that my, so I started screaming fraud. I also knew um, that, unfortunately, um, I knew in the summer that we would start, if this, was the, if this vaccine was as deadly and injurious as we thought, we'd see the insurance companies and the funeral home results. These are databases that aren't being hidden from us by the government. So unfortunately, in early January, a signal um, was launched by One America. Uh, the CEO didn't really know what he was saying uh, or the implications of it because he didn't think it was the vaccine, but he got on a chamber of com uh, commerce call in Indiana. And he said that in the second half of uh, 2021, he was seeing a 40% increase in all cause mortality, non-COVID. And to put some meat on those bones, um, that 10% uh, increase, he said, would be a three standard deviation, which in math, in my world is a big deal. 40% is a once in a 200 year flood. Right. And for your audience, I want you to understand, I want them to understand that um, insurance death rates are pretty steady. And even in 2020, I mean, it went up a little bit, but it was not what we were seeing in 2021. Um, these, these death rates, are just not that hard. I mean, they're very steady. So this kind of increase is cataclysmic. It was also discovered that younger people uh, were dying faster than older people. And then the results of his, his revelations were confirmed in other companies' results in the second week of February when I started getting very public and uh, my media profile took off. Mm -hmm. um, so I, Wall Street is listening to me now because they're nervous. And a lot of them are jabbed as well. And if you look at the stocks of Moderna and Pfizer, um, Moderna is down 70% and Pfizer's down 20 plus percent. So, yeah. uh, and so, so my goal has been to raise consciousness across the country and the globe by pointing out that even though the mainstream media is not gonna save us, doesn't seem like the politicians are or the regulators because they're in on it. We have to spread the word and there's nothing more convincing, even though a lot of people seem to be in this mass psychosis formation and are entrenched. If you can point out that Wall Street's getting nervous, it might change a mind, save a life. That's my goal. Let me jump. So thank you for that extremely eloquent and comprehensive summary. You touched on everything I wanted you to kind of update our viewers about. Um, let me jump in and add, you know, one of the reasons I think obviously your impact has been global already is how highly credentialed you are from the space about which you're speaking. And uh, I want to speak about that. I was so excited to start talking to you that I <laughs> didn't read your bio, which I intended to. And previously, uh, you held positions as a portfolio manager with that FIM group, and then as a, and also as a portfolio manager and managing director with BlackRock from 2002 to two 2012, Mr. Dowd successfully grew BlackRock's growth strategy from 2 billion to 14 billion over 10 years. Right. So you obviously like your methodology uh, of looking closely at primary source documentation. Correct works. And I think I remember watching your initial interview about this on War Room, and it was when you made the analogy with tech stocks um, that and and when you made the analogy with, you know, those bad uh, housing uh, products uh, that were being rubber stamped, you know, yeah. a, a plus, A plus or triple A. Um, even I as a layperson understood that you were saying the FDA is supposed to be the um, validator for legitimate value and safety and efficacy, right? Those whole words in the world of pharmaceutical products and they were in the tank with pharma, the way that these other corrupted institutions that were supposed to be validating uh, or not validating were in the tank with the things that led to dramatic implosions. Have I summarized accurately what you know, uh, the analogy was about? Absolutely. And just for your audience, I wanna talk about how does that happen? Um, is it a bunch of evil men in a room chomping on a cigar, laughing hysterically? No, it, <laughs> it happens over time and it involves money. Um, in the great financial crisis, um, something occurs, it's called the institutional imperative. And this is what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talk about in all great frauds and companies. Um, what happens is over time, the institution gets corrupted 
and um, people in the institution see other people doing bad things, it becomes normalized. And the institution as a whole, through very, very many small decisions, people getting promoted to do bad things, this is how you get rewarded. The institution as a whole acts in, uh, for the benefit, the benefit of the institution rather than the stakeholders in the case of the FDA or within a corporation for the shareholders. So they start to act for themselves. And it, it, it doesn't happen all at once, but it happens slowly. And what we do know about the FDA is that 50% of their budget comes from the pharmaceutical industry. Okay, 50%. And we've known for years that there's been a revolving door at the FDA. Mm -hmm. um, and so the institution over time you weren't rewarded for doing the right thing. You were rewarded for doing the, the wrong thing. And people saw that and people started to copy that. If you remember, um, there were two FDA officials who resigned in the fall. I do remember um, that. Yes, I do. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I haven't talked to them, but I'm probably guessing they're good people and they're disgusted. That's probably my guess. Okay. Um, so that's how this fraud, and, and it's important to understand for this fraud to be perpetrated across the country in the mass psychosis that's taken hold, doctors don't do um, deep dives into clinical data. Most of them don't even have backgrounds in statistical analysis. They rely on the FDA. And, you know, so some of these doctors, you know, they, they were sucked into this and they pushed these vaccines. They pushed the 95% efficacy, which is fraud on its face. Um, and they didn't know, I mean, this, this is how a fraud like this can get per, uh, perpetrated. A third party trusted institution falls. That's where we are. Yeah. And I think this is the greatest crime ever committed because most of the frauds I've been involved with are financial frauds where money's lost. This is right. killed and maimed people. And this is, this is tragic. And unfortunately, it's so big, it'll bring down so many institutions that it's going to be we the people that expose this by putting pressure on politicians who then rat on the their drug pharma partners that give them money. Gotcha. Well, let me unpack some of what you just said um, because it you know it is stunning, and I am persuaded that this is the greatest crime I can think of in you know in modern history. Certainly, um, right. That it's the tip of the ice, iceberg that we're seeing now. First, let me ask, how is it possible that the that 50% of the FDA's budget comes from pharma? I mean, how does our government agency allow so much private money or any private money to be part of its budget? That's an unusual structure, isn't it? So like anything, it started off innocently years ago when they allowed this to happen. I don't remember the exact date, but I, it was so since I've been involved in this, lots of things have been explained to me. Um, uh, the, 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 there were so many drugs coming to market um, and the staff was X amount of people and uh, they started, they just were, there was a backlog, I believe. And so what they decided to do was the pharmaceutical uh, companies would pay licensing fees when they would, you know, file for a drug. And um, that just kept growing and growing and growing. So it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a way to prop up the 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 staff of the FDA and their ability to analyze. But it, then it turned into something else over time. Inevitably, right. And so now I want to ask you. Thank you for that. I want to ask, and of course, the potential for corruption in a structure like that is very clear. And I just want to throw in that um, the CDC has something called the CDC Foundation, which takes $10 million a year from pharma and $12 million a year from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Of course, they're invested in vaccines. And, uh, and, and there are other kind of, like at Daily Clout, we read the bills every week. And I see again and again this model, which is kind of a recipe for corruption, public-private partnerships, quote unquote, that um, allow the private stakeholder to exert uh, pressure on the outcome that should be, um, you know, just serving the taxpayers, you know, and, and now I want to say something else, which is the data that you're talking about, not Pfizer's data, but the CDC data and the FDA data, that belongs by law to the people of the United right. States. So I just want to bring to your attention before I go on to my next uh, question, the fact that um, I don't know if you're aware that Dr. Henry Ely and two state senators 
uh, State Senator uh, Dennis Linthicum and State Senator Kim Thatcher of Oregon have filed a grand jury uh, petition demand with attorneys general, um, and it's been accepted for willful misconduct. This is against CDC, not FDA, but for willful misconduct in their handling of the data that they were responsible for. And I, I've looked at what they did and it's shocking. And I just want to tell you to add, you know, I, oh. I told you on Getter, like I have something for you. It's shocking. The CDC, and we're seeing this, I'm seeing this in other entities like the COVID dashboards that I don't want to bore you with right now. But when, if you have more time at another time, it is also <laughs> Um, but what the CDC did was that they hired uh, or they created contracts with um, corrupted nonprofits, in this case, CSTE, the Council for State and Territorial Epidemiologists, and that's a Gates-funded entity, right? But right. the nonprofit was hired to manage the digital presentation of the CDC data. And so they mishandled it, they cherry picked it, they misrepresented it, but the CDC was able to say, oh, we're just, you know, linking to these studies, but they show what we want to show. So that's illegal. That's an unlawful um, right. chain of custody of CDC data. So I just wanted to, to share that with you, that the... Um, what what many people are seeing and you're seeing it's like an elephant right you've got a hold of a giant part of this elephant other people are also looking at systematic mishandling of data cherry picking of data and uh unlawful corruption of data using third parties in this whole kind of massive crime now i want to go back to what you did uh, mr dowd so you're super 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 brave and one of the things you've done is said unequivocally not mincing words, this is fraud. So if you're not right, that's actionable, I believe. And Pfizer and Moderna could come at you with a, you know, libel suit or a slander suit, but I believe that has not happened yet. Will you speak to that? I mean, why are you so confident um, in using a term that is certainly attention grabbing, I'm persuaded, uh, but, ex you know, if it's wrong, would expose you to legal action? Well, that's interesting. So I don't have a medical license to take away. I don't have a bar license to take away. I'm an investor, okay? And throughout the history of Wall Street, investors have what we call a thesis. So I'm presenting this as a thesis. I'm 100% convinced it's fraud. Now, uh, I've laid out my case and it's starting to appear um, that it's coming to light that it is. But I can say this, it's freedom of speech. They can sue me if they want. Um, I don't suspect they will. In fact, I was waiting for a hit piece on me. I haven't had one yet. And wow. the AP, the AP fact checked me uh, on the insurance stuff uh, that I came up with. And they didn't name me. They said Internet chatter. I'm, no, I'm now known as Internet chatter. So I, I quite honestly think I, they don't know what to do with me because I, I touch on Wall Street and, you know, I'm presenting this as an investment thesis. Right. And an investment thesis is free speech. Right. Wow. So gotcha. that's what th this is my thesis. Um, I'm convincing lots of people I may be right. And uh, the actions speak louder than words. And look, here's the problem. Mm -hmm. The proof of the fraud is showing up in real life results. That's the, and that is becoming undeniable and impossible to hide. Mm -hmm. And there's other players involved now, insurance companies, and their stocks aren't doing well of late. And I and I, I don't know if your audience is aware of this, but last week a German uh, board member of the insurance company BKK came out and said that the government of Germany is underreporting vaccine injuries, not deaths, injuries by ten to one. If you turn that into um, a, um, uh, they imputed from their 11 million people that uh, two and a half to three million Germans had a severe injury that was reported to them that where a real life claim was made. Okay, now that they imputed the, the, the full population. They had 11 million in their population. Something like 400,000 came forward. So they, they went, they, they did the math. So they suspect that two and a half to three million Germans had some sort of uh, injury that sent them to a doctor um, for a claim. And that uh, is 3.6% of the population of Germany, which is 83 million people. So that's one in 25 Germans. Wow. So I don't know of any product uh, 
in the history of the world that's ever been approved that has that kind of uh, uh, side effect profile, one in 25. That's, right. that's, that's never happened. Yeah. No, and so, they're not even, he's not even accounting for deaths, right? Just injuries. No, just, just injuries. And, and, this, and, and then um, um, they, they called in other insurance companies to come forward because it's the ethical thing to do. I just learned today the the board member who brought this forward has been fired. Yes. Wow. But, yeah, but the cat the cat is out of the bag. The cat is out of the bag. So, um, so I, I'm not worried about being sued. Um, and as you know, if they sue me, there's discovery. So that that's what you're getting at, I think. Um, if I am sued, there's discovery. And no, I'm just I'm kind of impressed that it's been like two weeks now since you've been saying this and I'm not aware of, you know, again, no hit pieces, no lawsuits, as far as I know, uh, that to me, as every day goes by, suggests that you're, you're standing on something solid. Well, exactly. And I think they want to, someone like me, you know, Steve Bannon asked, why is, has anybody from the mainstream media, CNBC or anything reached out to me? Crickets. Wow. Crickets. Crickets. (laughs) They don't, they don't know what to do with me. Um, and, uh, you know, there have been other great short sellers that have exposed fraud. You know, Chanos, Steve Chanos uh, came out and exposed the Enron fraud. Mm. And you can say, as investors, we can say fraud. Yeah. Uh, because, and it's a thesis. It's not, you know, and then people in, in the world of Wall Street will bet with their capital. Right, right. All right. Well, let's, okay. Wow, this is just uh, of head splitting dimensions. Um, so let, well, I have so many questions. It's like a, it's like a Greek tragedy, but on a kind of multivalent global scale. It's like the, the, the drama is unfolding all around the world on multiple levels right. and the, the layers and layers of criminality. If, if you're right, and from what I've seen, you, you are right. And there are, you know, dimensions to this to add to it. Um, are, you know, they lasted for months and months, it's global, there are thousands of people are involved. So let's go back to the institutional imperative of the government is different from the institutional imperative of a private company like Pfizer or Moderna. Why in your thesis would people like Rochelle Walensky, people like uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, government um, employees uh, be willing to um, kind of implicate themselves in, if not initiating fraud, covering it up or sustaining it, or even now, like, you know, CDC, FDA to this very day are, are, are presenting fraudulent data. We just covered it on this morning's war room, right? A bad right. study, uh, you know, to, to do more bad science, to harm children in more criminal ways. Um, why are they not at this point backtracking, consulting their lawyers, covering their tracks, or why I should say six months ago, when surely there was evidence of this internally, why did they keep saying safe and effective, safe and effective? You know, that's a mystery to me. That'll come out uh, later. But I just, you know, uh, Walensky, she may be a dupe. She may not know any better. She's a, she's in a political appointee, correct? Yes. Yeah. So the people below her, the institutions are strange things. She, she may have had no idea. I'm not getting, letting her off the hook, but you know, there's things that go on, especially when you're a political appointee, the bureaucracy will hide stuff from you to protect itself. I mean, I hear you. I'm going to push back gently on that. I did an analysis of the V-SAFE study, which was the basis of Rochelle Walensky, FDA, CDC, saying that the vaccine is quote unquote safe and effective for pregnant women and babies. And it's one of the most fraudulent to add to right. fraud pieces of fake science I've ever seen. It was a self-reported phone app in which they winnowed out, you know, the demographics of women who have bad outcomes with pregnancy disproportionately. They they left it up to the subjects to self-report by calling a call center. Uh, outcomes like gestational diabetes, my baby was born without, you know, without limbs, my baby was blue, like they left it up to the women to self-report that uh, in addition to a bunch of other flaws and nonsense. So, you know, if I as a layperson can read that and tell how bad that is, I don't, 
I don't think it's possible to say that someone like Rochelle Walensky or let's take Anthony Fauci, right, were unaware that fraud was taking place. Fauci's not unaware. I'm not going to get let him off the hook. Um, so why would I'm not keep going? You know, so I, I hear you say you don't know, but any, any theories about why they would just keep going and implicate themselves further and further? Yeah, well, so let's, let's assume they all knew uh, and they thought that, that, that they would all, well, Fauci, Fauci already has his own network of gathering monies, but maybe Michelle Walensky thought this would be a, a plum job at Pfizer or, you know, after she left government. So she kept her mouth shut. But here's the thing. I suspect what's going on is um, they know they're caught and, you know, you have a choice when you're caught. You, you either, you know, come clean or you triple down. I and mean, we're in the triple down phase. Right. And, 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 you know, this Ukraine war, you know, we can all talk about the timing of it, but there seems to be a total pivot going on. And, you know, tonight I suspect, I put out a tweet saying what I expected the POTUS or the puppet master to do tonight. And what he's going to do is declare victory on COVID. Right. Um, he's going to now highlight the new Russian Hitler and, uh, talk about how we need to worry about uh, cyber hackers and the internet being taken down. These are all, and also he'll throw in some environmental climate stuff, but COVID's over tonight. We're gonna hear that. Yeah, I'm sure um, you're right, sadly, I'm sure you're right. Okay, so this is tripling down. All right, well, let me go back to Pfizer. Am I interrupting you? Sorry. I'm no, sorry. not at all, go ahead. So, okay, let's go to Pfizer. So they surely knew, um, you know, even before the rollout of the vaccine from what you're describing, but certainly one, two, three, four months in that there were uh, serious harms, damages, off the charts harms to people. Why would they keep going purely for commercial reasons, like with the housing bubble, but with human bodies as the collateral? Well, you know, they, they have, it's again, it's the institution. You, when, when the whole institution gets corrupted, and let, let, I'm not going to let the CEO off the hook. I mean, you, when you get, make that kind of money, you're responsible for what happens underneath you. So no matter what happened, he's responsible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, the C-suite doesn't like to hear bad news. And sometimes the bad news doesn't filter up. You, I mean, this, this does happen. And the momentum, you got to remember the momentum of all this um, just starts to take on a life of its own. And then they started, I think, getting excited. Well, if, if this gets mandated, because I did an analysis, if this gets mandated globally, right? and we have to do, they started doing the math in their head. They got greedy. Um, and we have to do quarterly injections. I mean, the math on this was, if, if we did quarterly injections and got, um, you know, 4 billion of the 7, or 5 billion of the 7 billion on the planet to get on this scheme of uh, quarterly injections, it was 350 billion in revenue to Pfizer. Their current revenue is 52 billion. So this, this, this is just good old fashioned greed right, right. and power. Yeah. And they, yeah. and I think they thought they had a lock because the government was behind them, and they just every, and it, it becomes this, you know, you know, you're talking to the same people. You're in a bubble. Deep down, you know something's off. You know, it's it's it may you know yeah there'll be some re adverse reactions and some deaths and maybe it's, the data is not as good as we thought. But I don't I think somewhere uh, around this summer, early fall, they started to get horrified. And um, wow. you know, yeah, the, the CFO of Pfizer, of Pfizer Lou D'Amalio, uh, was a character from the uh, the dot com boom. Lou Lou D'Amalio was at Lucent. He was the CFO of Lucent. Uh, during that uh, scandal, when the stock went down to 56 cents, somehow Lou became the CFO of Pfizer. Now, Lou is, an, is a CFO. He's the numbers guy. There's no accounting fraud at Pfizer. There's data fraud at Pfizer. But I think Lou, Lou, who's, uh, you know, saw what was going on. He said, I've seen this movie before and I'm going to leave. He left in November. Wow. And he, he retired. Now, I, I don't know what Lou knew, but Lou knew something, and because if, if things were, if this was a great product and really did what it did, and we were going to, you know, mandate quarterly jabs and the world would go on, he would he would have been leaving so much money on the table, right? In in future stock options and grants, right, right. So so, you know, you don't retire if that's coming. Uh, I'm just right. saying. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Francis Collins stepped aside for a similar reason? I yeah, I, I I think I think he doesn't want to be around when this thing. I, I, look. People 
people are not dumb. And he left because he, he knew this is going to be a disaster. And, you know, you, you, you're starting to see all sorts of different movements going on. And, um, you know, you, you highlighted on Bannon's, I watched it today. Um, you highlighted on Bannon's show, you know, the memo went out. The memo went out. They're going to run, they're going to try to run away from this as fast as possible. And their next move is they're going to try to pivot the, and blame Trump for this. So that's, that's next. I would expect that. Uh, all right. So I get the $300 billion incentive to not stop this runaway train from a Pfizer point of view. But which came first? I mean, governments floating the mandating of the vaccines or Pfizer floating the mandating of the vaccines to governments. I mean, that's a new thing. That's a new kind of breach in the wall of personal autonomy and integrity of the body in the West. So that mandating thing, where, you know, where was the political uh, directive for that coming from? Pfizer can't mandate that I take estrogen or that I take, you know, God, so many things it could mandate. Um, you know, diabetes injections or asthma, you know, inhalers, it can't mandate that. So in your analysis of this, where's that coercive element coming from? Usually it comes from the private sector getting the government to do its bidding for some reason, but you're, you seem to be saying that it was the other way around? No, that I mean, I don't, I, I suspect um, there was lots of um, lobbying for mandates by right. Pfizer and Moderna. Well, Pfizer has a bigger um, war chest than Moderna. Moderna's a, you know, a one product, one trip pony right. that came out of nowhere. By the way, that's a sketchy company. We can go into that you know, some other time, but that company was always thought of as pretty sketchy on Wall Street. Right. Um, and and this, this literally is their first product, this well, vaccine. No, that I'm aware of. Let me push a little more on the mandates thing because it involves Wall Street, right? Like this new model of get the government to force people to consume something. It's it's a gold mine for investors, right? If you right. can walk the horse that that the government will mandate people accept or buy or use, that's a whole intervention in capitalism, let alone personal autonomy. So I guess I'm not really sure what my question is, but as as well, an investor, you know, it, it I, almost takes sort of special, uh, sorry, special ethics for you to say, you know, even though this mandate model could be, you know, minting money for people in the know forever, this is not this is a bet against freedom long term. Do you want to speak to that? Absolutely. So, first of all, this is what I call fascism. Mussolini has a great quote. He said that you know, fascism is really corporatism and government together. Yeah. Okay. And so this is fascism straight up. I mean, this is the, the, the classic model of fascism. I mean, World War II, Hitler's Germany and Mussolini merged with the industrialists to create what they created. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is historical record. So we have modern day fascism. I've been calling that out on Twitter for even before I knew there was fraud and calling it out. It's fascism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, when on uh, Bannon's show, I, I said to Wall Street, I go, look, you know, this may be great, but you're, if you're long these stocks and own them, you're long, um, uh, uh, you're selling your freedoms and you're selling your, your bodily autonomy. So, well, you know, be careful what you wish for. Exactly. You know, so, so I, I'm trying to change the conversation. I think my greatest contribution is to give people cover because I, I couch it in terms of an investment thesis. So I say it, then they can talk to it and right. we can bring up new conversations that other people don't wanna talk about because they feel like, like they will be made to look crazy. Yeah. Well, 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 I'm not crazy and um, I'm good at this. And I hope I'm providing a lot of cover for people to now speak out. I, I understand what you're saying. Let me ask you though, as a citizen, like to, so, you're, in my view, quite heroic. You've done a great public service. You're doing a great public service. I'm pushing a little bit and let me explain what I mean. I, so having been in the rooms where masters of the universe hang out, right? 
One thing I'm aware of is that people who are vastly wealthy and whose vast wealth depends on market forces, you know, want to limit risk no matter. Correct. And, and they don't see suppression of ordinary people's life options the way that ordinary people might, many of them, if the upside is a diminution of risk. That's my experience. I'm not asking you to agree with it. So why I bring that up is I kept looking at Bloomberg, right? And at the way that Bloomberg funds the Johns Hopkins COVID dashboard, which I've analyzed, and it's a nonsensical dashboard. The, uh, the people doing his graphic design or GHS's graphic design for the dashboard leaked to me the data sets because I was asking on Twitter, where's the raw data? Where's the raw data? My company builds digital dashboards out of government data. So I know what's supposed to be there. And none of these dashboards have the raw data sets to look at. None of them. They're all impaired. Okay. So the whole pandemic has unfolded on the basis of unverifiable data, which is another nerdy subject we can get into another time, relevant to what you're saying. My point is Bloomberg funded the Johns Hopkins database. That was the one that all the major media reporting on the pandemic uh, used and cited. Unverifiable, six states reporting when the data sets were leaked, leaked to me. Um, Bloomberg showed that map and those trends, you know, that graph line on, on their Bloomberg homepage. And right underneath it, he showed um, stock performances and global uh, other financial instrument performances. And what was very obvious is that there was a relationship between them. And where I'm going with this is that if you're one of the six tech bros who funded or built the digital dashboards that everyone was using, you could legally bet on a bunch of sectors if you knew the data that was going to be released half an hour before everyone else knew it. Um, I just want your thoughts about that. I guess what I'm trying to say is I what I've seen looking at markets and investors and investment opportunities is that I'm scared that that Wall Street and just kind of investors generally have gotten addicted to the way in which pandemic policy and the construction of these unverifiable instruments allows people to dial down their risk. Oh, you know that there's going to be, you know, an enforcement of masking in schools, you bet on 3M. You know, there was a day, I mean, just give you one more example, then I'll stop talking. I'm a tiny, tiny investor in real estate, right? Like many, you know, single people, single parents, many immigrants, one investment, right? That one asset. So I follow the real estate market. And there was this one day in January of, of this past year, when property values in Harlem dropped 20%. And I thought this is related to the pandemic. It all happened at once at every property I looked at. And it was literally two weeks after the CDC lifted their six month moratorium on evictions and all these small landlords like me, right? Not the big institutional investors, not, not the people buying up residential real estate, tiny people like me, They couldn't hold on anymore without any rental income. So January 1st, they finally were allowed to evict their tenants who weren't paying rent. They had two weeks to paint. And then they put their tiny assets on the market in a fire sale to be scooped up by, respectfully, BlackRock and other institutional investors. Um, So I guess where I'm going with that is, isn't this addictive, right? Like, like, isn't it going to be very hard for Wall Street and institutional investors to let go of pandemic policies, to let go of COVID dashboards, to let go of this intervention in capitalism that that dials down so much risk and that lets insiders who who know legally what the data are going to say, you know, invest in or or bet on the data without much risk. Well, there's a little explanation of what Wall Street is. A lot of people think Wall Street's this giant cabal where everyone's rich. It's not true. There are lots of institutions where people are fighting for a share of the pie to grow their assets. So there's many institutions competing against each other for what we call alpha or outperformance of an index. And, um, you know, so a lot of people on Wall Street were mandated to get jabbed. Okay. Hmm. Right. And a lot of people in those firms were not happy about that. Hmm. 
And not everyone, you know, there could be a tiny club of people who have access to the data, like you suggested, not, not, you can't make, if everybody knows the data, you can't make any money. So it has to be a small group of insiders. Right. So most of Wall Street, the good news is, isn't in on this. Right, right. There's not, not, not every hedge fund got the call. Not every, you know, even, even some big hedge funds may not have gotten the call. It's a very tiny group of people that are manipulating anything like what you just alluded to, which I, I haven't looked into, but I'm, I wouldn't doubt it, it has, not, has occurred. I mean, there was a lot of weird things going on in 2020 and 2021 in terms of Wall Street um, and with all the free money floating around that the Fed printed. Um, but here, here, here's the thing. Um, you know, if, I, if there was my, 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 my potential future business partner was tracking an index, he called it the, the Davos index. <laughs> and, and it was, it was, it was our tech overlords and some other stocks. And the good news is the Davos index is uh, starting to severely underperform. Oh. So, so what's going on is this momentum to take away all our freedoms and all these insiders thinking that they were on in on the game and they were going to win they didn't expect you they didn't expect me they didn't expect bannon they didn't expect the thousands and thousands and millions of people that are out there that are showing up to protest things and they also didn't expect or i don't think they knew some of them didn't know but they didn't expect the bodies unfortunately to start piling up um, mm -hmm. that that are and it's mm. becoming unavoidable. So like the, the evidence of their fraud is now in the real world. We can go back and find it, but that's, the, I knew this would happen if I was right. And unfortunately um, it did. And right. so the, the good news is um, over the weekend, a friend of mine who has been on board with me and didn't take the vaccine and smelled something funny um, said an old colleague of his reached out to him who's still managing billions of dollars and said, I saw Ed on a video recently and uh, he may be on to something. This wow. is the, so this is, you gotta understand the mass formation psychosis affected everybody. Everybody, I understand, I get it. And, and what you've described is the nature of oligarchy, right? Like a handful yeah. of people may, you know, the Davos people, their friends, Microsoft guy, yeah. you know, Facebook guy may have been in on the big picture and the call didn't go out to other, you know, very influential, important players in our society who are angry and upset and yeah. excluded, you know, and maybe harmed. So that's super, super important. Can I jump in with a follow-up question on, on sure. top? Um, so let's talk about Moderna. All right. Sure. Uh, why do you, you saw a different outcome for Pfizer than for Moderna. You saw bankruptcy for one and just collapse for the other. Can you talk about the difference in your- Yeah, so, so Moderna is a single product company. They're, all their revenues come from the mRNA vaccine. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the evidence is coming in, it's a disaster. Uh, eventually this will get pulled um, and uh, their tech, the mRNA technology is being discredited because part of their story was they're gonna be able to take this and then apply it to all sorts of other different diseases and you're going to take vaccines for it makes no sense but that that was the plan right uh, so that that just that and they're going to get and if we can prove fraud um i'm not saying i don't know anything about moderna's clinical trials but if pfizer falls it's you make the assumption that moderna had the same issues mm -hmm. so i know i'm not speaking to moderna's clinical trials but Moderna will be wrapped up in this and it goes to zero because no one will ever take an mRNA vaccine again. So that's a donut. Right. That's what we say on Wall Street, a donut is zero. Um, <laughs> a donut, yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, Pfizer is a, um, a, a multi-product company. Um, they will be sued, I think, eventually. And so the litigation will take the stock um, you know, into the low, the low single digits, and then wow. they'll spend years litigating, and then they'll finally get a settlement, and the stock will go back up. That's how that works. Wow. So, are you saying, Mr. Dowd, that Im immunity will be lifted because of fraud, which is a point you made before? And so, yeah. everyone who's been harmed by the mRNA vaccines can sue Pfizer. That's what you foresee. It's not even that. So, the, a lot of these governments. Uh, across the globe entered into contracts with Pfizer and Moderna. And if fraud is proven, 
um, it vitiates all contracts. And that's case law. You, when you enter into a contract and one party has been defrauded, the contract's broken. So immunity will be broken. And wow. governments, not only, not only will individuals sue, governments are gonna sue. This is, a, this is, a, this is the, the, the daisy chain effects from this are mind boggling. And it's almost like, that's why I say we're on our own for now, because it'll take down the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, It'll take down um, many politicians' careers. Uh, global governments will be shaken to the core. This is a problem. This wow. is a big problem. And you're, it seems like you're saying we don't need the government, which has abandoned us, to investigate this. It would be nice. We don't need the media, which has been completely corrupted by pharma and Gates money to disclose this. They've been help, you know, pointless and helpless as we see now. You're saying this is going to happen just alone from private movements, from the movements of money, from the movements of shareholders, from yes, yeah. So Wall Wall Street's in early, is it, Wall Street's always earlier than most because it's a collective wisdom of many people. And what's going on is there's enough um, things that are concerning portfolio managers who may not believe what I believe. They may not believe it's fraud, but they're seeing things. And so what they do is they sell a little bit. So the mm -hmm. pressure's on these stocks. Mm -hmm. Eventually the revelations will come to light and then we'll see the waterfall begin on these stocks. So it's, it's slowly starting to happen. What's a but, waterfall, the devaluation? Well, like the, so usually a stock will downtrend, then some big news will come out and it'll do that. It's the okay. waterfall. So right now they're in they're in downtrends because uh, people are starting to understand that something's wrong. Okay, mm -hmm. maybe not everyone's buying off on what I believe or you believe, but they're starting to say maybe this Ed character's onto something. Let's look into it. And 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 by the way, this is the way the money management works. If you start to get doubtful of a position you hold in your portfolio, mm -hmm. and you you say, well, I don't believe it whole a hundred percent, but I'm going to sell a little bit. So they sell a little bit, then they do their own work. So that's what we're seeing. People are starting to sell a little bit. Oh, I see. Okay. It's, it, this, it, and, and so, but I do believe, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Um, we don't need the media. We don't need uh, the government regulators to rescue us. This is going to be word of mouth. It's going to be the independent media. And then, unfortunately, the sad thing is they can't hide the bodies and, and people are going to talk about this. And this is going to spread like wildfire. And that's why they need distractions. That's why they need to walk away from COVID uh, tonight. I mean, this is, this is, this is, it's going to be a ground, a grassroots effort, but the word spreading and word of mouth is spreading. Yeah. Well, no small thanks to you. So let me wrap up with just two last questions. You've been super generous with your time. Um, what's the role of big tech in this from your understanding like they've consistently from the start protected the fda protected anthony fauci i got deplatformed when i you know posted a document primary source document that showed that dr fauci was lying in you know to the senate um they deplatform people who talk about therapeutics they deplatform you know many doctors that you and i probably both respect who have been trying to raise the alarm about some of these side effects. Why, what, I get why Pfizer and Moderna would be covering themselves, trying to hide negative information. Why is Facebook and Twitter, why are social media companies involved in this? Well, there, you know, look, there's two schools of thought. I'll just go with the easiest one for people to understand. Um, it's greed. Uh, the, the, the tech overlords um, were inundated with large, uh, pharma money, just like the uh, MSM. The, I mean, on my Twitter feed, I get constant um, ads for pharmaceutical uh, drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they also were licking their chops at the prospect of um, future revenues from surveillance technologies to mandate all this stuff. So I could, what, the reason why this fraud is so hard to, to grasp, I called, I've called it a meta fraud, a multi-siloed fraud. So you have the fraud originated with Pfizer, in my opinion. Um, you had the government uh, involved through institutional corruption and revolving door policies. Mm -hmm. And then you have the media and MSM who are getting uh, monies from pharma. Mm -hmm. And so they, they all 
maybe not with full knowledge, but they had incentives to not disseminate the real information and to be basically nothing more than um, pitchmen for these products. Will I mean, especially the MSM. Will there be liability or legal or shareholder exposure for big tech and for media? I, I, I believe I believe um, the six major uh, media companies that control MSM plus tech overlords, the tech companies, my personal opinion, they're complicit, they're accomplices to murder via censorship. Just on the early treatments alone, the vaccine stuff will come, but um, the suppression of um, early treatment mm -hmm. uh, was, I mean, Dr. Malone has uh, cited a study that shows at least 500,000 people didn't need to die. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, censorship, I've been, a, I, I, I've been so outspoken against censorship going way back to when they took off Alex Jones. I said, this is the beginning. He's the test case. He's the test case. And censorship um, is one of the most insidious things. I've, I mean, we know how word ends. Right. And, and, and the, the, it began uh, with Alex Jones and it's only accelerated to anybody that doesn't agree with whatever the regime wants to you know, parrot that month. Right. So do you think um, investors are gonna start shorting or taking money out of, forgive me if I'm not using the right language, uh, big media? Yeah, yeah, no, well, look, Pfizer, uh, uh, Facebook already uh, went down 25% on its most recent earnings. And I noticed that, and you think yeah. that's tied to this? Well, so, so Wall, Wall Street doesn't always act, I mean, it's a collective wisdom of many people, but I think what's, so what's going on is this with Facebook. Um, due to the censorship, Lots of people have decided to walk away from Facebook, so their growth is slowing. So through the in, through the actions of many of us, slowly, mm -hmm. it's affected Facebook, and that's what you know. I knew Facebook was in trouble in November when they tried to rebrand themselves as Meta. That's what we call a tell, because they wanted to pivot to a new new because they saw internally their growth getting decimated, mm -hmm. and so this what they're doing is actually killing their own brand. Twitter is. Twitter stock has been a disaster. Getter's rise has been so. This is going on, right. and 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 so it's taken a long time. But um, people like freedom. People don't like censorship, and it's it's going to become a self fulfilling prophecy. The, these platforms will just die. You, uh, YouTube, yeah, is a dis YouTube's dead. Really, dead, I think. So no, satisfying. I'm, yeah. Wow. So it won't happen overnight, but it'll happen. God, you know, God bless capitalism. So you've been so generous. Final question, I promise. Sure. I think we're in a time of heroes. I think, you know, we're in a time that is separating the wheat from the chaff in terms of human um, respect for others and human courage. May you share with our audience what led you to take the risks uh, to cross the line, to be the whistleblower in your world, which is a world that, you know, highly rewards people for not necessarily being whistleblowers. Like it, what, what happened inside of you to lead you personally to think, okay, I, Edward Dowd, I'm gonna step forward. I'm gonna make this call. I'm gonna take the slings and arrows. It's worth it. Well, a couple things. I, I've been aware of how the world really works for a long, long time. And I'm not, I'm not really on the blue team or the red team. I'm on, I'm on team humanity. And when I saw what was going on, you know, I had a I had a thesis as to what was going on. You've heard me share about it. We haven't talked about it here. We can do another show on it. But I said to myself, okay, I can't live in the world that they want to plan for me. So I'm going to speak out or forever hold my peace. And I was fortunate enough in September of last year to pray to God to ask me to be of service. And through a series of coincidences, which I can only say are God, I hooked up with Dr. Malone and my voice was elevated. Um, and because of that, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just going to keep going with this until, you know, it's over or I'm in a gulag. That's where I'm going. I don't care. I mean, I'm just doing, I'm just doing this because I have to. I understand. I, we're so grateful to you and I believe you, you know, I, I've, I've started being kind of out with my own view of another kind of dimension in addition to this one, you know, recently. and I. I believe that. I think people are being called right now and they're being called to tell the truth. They're being called to 
take risks. And uh, I know my audience is so grateful to you. You know, the world is so grateful to you for, um, you know, listening because you could have walked away, right? From well, that. I, I don't like the hero label. There are many heroes, there are many people involved. And I just want to give a shout out to all the people. Who are, I have a team now because I became a lightning rod. I have people who, for personal reasons, can't go public, but they're they are helping me to deliver what I'm delivering to you. I have an insurance industry analyst from Wall Street who's helping. There are thousands and thousands. We are, the good news is because it's gotten to this point, we're all finding each other. Right. And, and, and we are legion. We just haven't been talking to each other. Now we are. And it's, um, it's only accelerating. And um, the, uh, I, I, I don't want to call it the awakening, but the, you know, the awareness that the world is different than what you thought it was is accelerating very quickly. Wow. Well, as my grandmother used to say, from your mouth to God's ears, yeah. <laughs> it goes even faster. Uh, Edward Dowd, is there a project or some way people can help you, support you, something you want me to call uh, to their attention, somewhere that they can find you? Yeah, look, for now, um, my, my job is to do this. And I, you know, I'm not trying to pitch anything but I will pitch my Twitter and Getter account where you can find my information. Uh, my Getter account is uh, at Edward Dowd, D-O-W-D, and my Twitter account for now, I don't know, I, I'm waiting for them to blow me, uh, blow me out of the water at any moment, but it's uh, at Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D Edward. So I'm on Twitter for now, but I don't think for much longer, honestly. Thank you so much. Well, I'm sure we'll, I hope and believe we'll speak again i can't thank yeah. you everyone watching can't thank you enough and you you know just thank you for your service to humanity and i'm sure there's uh you know many revelations to come thank you edward dowd sincerely